0: You're listening to Simple Roots Radio, episode 12.
1: I think one of the very most important things for people to remember, and, and many people have heard this before, is, but you are your best friend. Like, it's your job to take care of yourself, to watch out for yourself. You are the most unique you there will ever be and so special in this world. Welcome to Simple Roots Radio with Alexa Sherman. Alexa believes that simplicity in life is the key to achieving true and lasting health. A nutritionist by trade, Alexa has rebelled against common misconceptions about nutrition and has created a realistic health style that will allow you to live a healthy, satisfied, and more simplistic life. It's raw. It's real. It's unfiltered. It's Simple Roots Radio. And now your host, Alexa Sher.
0: Welcome back. It's episode 12 already and the first of May. I can't even believe that it's already May, but I'm excited that summer is here. Anyways, we have a very exciting show to get to today, but before we get there, I just want to remind you that this podcast is dedicated to simplifying your health journey. While the topic of nutrition is always central to our discussion, we have to remember that health is so much more than just what we eat. So we're going to dig into personal development, living a purpose-driven life, simplification, and making real and honest changes that can be sustained for life. You're going to want to stick around because today we have Maddie Moon on the show. She is an ex-fitness expert and fitness model who lives for a passion to help end the scenario where food controls your life, to end the obsession, the fear, and the chains that our appearance puts on us and help us in a new way of valuing and loving the real us. To live without any food fears, stop obsessing over food, and begin to live life. She is the host of Mind Body Musing Podcast, created the scripture food and healing course, as well as an author to multiple ebooks, including Free Your Mind from Food. I'm so excited to have Maddie on the show, and we'll be talking about deep things like body image, labels, and letting go to begin something new. I'll be asking Maddie about her recovery from food addiction and body image how to overcome the fear of letting go, understanding that health is more than just a number, how cellulite saved her life, and what drives her to continue her new passion of helping others become free from the traps of body image. It's going to be real, raw, personal, and moving. Body image and self-worth are such huge issues in this world as millions are striving to be something or someone different or chasing something in the end that's causing them to sacrifice more than just health. I can't wait to learn from Maddie, so here we go. Welcome to the show, Maddie. I'm so excited to have you here. I just kind of want to start from the beginning and just get to know you. So how were you raised? Like, how did your story begin?
1: Well, let's see. I was raised in a very amazing, strong household. Um, my family were all very close. But besides that fact, I still was very much exposed just to the media and the way that women women's bodies are portrayed and the hierarchy of this body's good, this body's bad. And I remember seeing these things when I was really young, and it stuck with me. I, I remember realizing just, wow, I, I'm like this short, short, kind of chubby kid. And I'm not being treated like these tall, thin, beautiful, long-haired models. And I want to look like that. I want to be treated like that. So in my journey, I went down this path of just trying to make my body smaller and smaller. And this led me, I'm trying to make this the short version, but this led me to go through uh, multiple diets and trying different ways of eating, losing weight, getting recognition for it, feeling popular for it and high and mighty, uh, going into fitness competitions, doing that for a few years. And then finally, finding my way out of that and into the world of body positivity and self-acceptance and uh, food freedom, no more dieting. And it's been the most amazing journey and ride through all that I've been through. And now here I am today teaching this message to other people with my podcast, my programs and uh, my website, which has just been such a blessing. And I'm grateful that I've been through everything that I have.
0: Right. And I want to get into your programs later on, but I kind of want to go back to your story. So Maddie states on her blog that she became obsessed with how food made her look early on. Maddie, what did that look like to you? Like, what did your obsession with food look like?
1: Well, I was introduced to the concept of not eating when I was probably in second grade. I was watching this show and the main character's best friend was like feeling really stressed with life. And she's just, ah, life is so hard. I really want to feel in control of my life. Oh, I know I'll control my weight because that's the easiest thing to control. And by the end of the show, she had passed out from not eating for several days. And then all of her friends came running to her. We love you. Eat, take care of your body. And then they lived happily ever after. But for me, a second grader, I watched this. I don't take home the moral of the story. I take home a new coping mechanism. So I see, okay, feel stressed with life. Don't eat, control your weight. It's the one thing you can control, okay? So everything really is out of my control, but I can control my weight and how people see me, okay? So I remembered this as I got a little bit older, started putting it into action around seventh grade when I wanted boys to notice me and I didn't want to be seen as such a weird nerd because I was a total nerd and- (laughs) My relationship with food just got very disordered around this time, especially when I got into high school, when everyone is joining sports and getting really good at it. And I was in the marching band and I wanted to be like hot and I wanted to be noticed for something. So I just stopped eating for periods of time. I had such a poor relationship with food that I would go several days without eating. And then the first thing I would eat would be either a bag of carrots or like a bag of potato chips because calories, is calorie, right? Like I right. didn't realize anything. I just thought if I just ate this one bag of potato chips, then I can lose weight. And I, it was like, I was carrying around the secret that made me feel good about myself. It's like, no one knows. It's like wearing sexy lingerie without anyone knowing. It was like <laughs> that, like I had right. this disorder and it's like my little disorder. So that was when it first started to get tainted. And then I was introduced to the gym and I started spending hours at the gym per day burning a certain amount of calories and then making sure I ate less than that, those amount of calories the next day. And then I started to eat like a vegetarian and it was for ethical reasons, but it quickly glided into weight loss. Like everything else, uh, every other way of eating for me, it turned into weight loss and As the weight started flying off, people would comment on my body, recognize it. I felt so good. I wanted to do it more. I soon became a vegan in college. Then I started partying and I would just eat very little amount during the day and then party and drink and drink and drink and just get sick. And like, man, all this time, keep in mind, I was into nutrition. Mm -hmm. I was reading every nutrition book. I was studying to be a dietetics major. I was teaching other people how to eat and look at how I was treating my body. It was Mm -hmm. all for the sake of being thin and having a perfect diet and eating less. So nutrition to me, sure, beets have blah, blah, blah and blueberries have blah, blah, blah. And like, that's all great. But to me, the best thing was just not eating very much or purging. I did that as well in college. So those were the days when I had very extreme diet issues, but then it soon glided into bodybuilding and realizing that I can have an eating disorder without anyone noticing. No one would know because it looks like fitness. It looks like health. right? It looks like willpower and discipline to have a lean body to have a six pack, to be on a stage in a tiny swimsuit with a dark, dark tan. People look at that and they think, wow, I want to do that. So no one knew that I had at that time orthorexia, which is an obsession with what one considers to be pure or healthy eating. So I just was bouncing around from thing to thing to thing to thing, trying to find the thing that make me happy and worthy and fulfilled. And none of it was giving me that, none of it. Mm -hmm. And I just thought the more that I dove into restriction and, control, the closer I would be to finding that happy place for me. And it never, it never came as long as I was searching for that right diet. It never came.
0: Right. I just am baffled too about how young this can start. Like you said, it was second grade, which kind of opened your eyes to a new world. I mean, I feel like so early on as women and young girls, like we start to place labels on each other and a sort that's kind of chasing an image but do you believe it's a deeper issue than just that? Like, what do you think the issue at hand is?
1: Um, I think the issue at hand is, like I was saying, is control. It's not just looking a certain way. I mean, we were taught that this is beautiful. But going down deeper, we want to be in control of other people's perceptions of us. We, we don't want to fear the unknown. We want to think we have everything within our power and within our grasp. We have the control to, to change people's ideas of us because we care how we fit in, how well we fit in with the crowd. Um, and it is meeting society's standards. We want people to see us as dedicated, as having willpower, as um, being beautiful. And, and that's a whole nother conversation, the, right. the amount of – the amount of um, importance our society puts on beauty—it's crazy to me. It's there's so many other important things, and beauty just seems to be taking up so much room in everyone's minds of how beautiful they are. And beauty, of course, is subjective, but it's also just not that important. Like, why is it the most important thing to our world? Like, I don't—I just don't get it. But that's a tangent. <laughs> but <No. laughs> yeah,
0: I think like to answer your question, it really is a lot about control, right? And. I mean, the control kind of goes to how we label ourselves, right? I feel like you talk about this on your blog a lot and we all kind of put a label on ourselves or others, you know, like even as health professionals, we, we are probably both labeled as the health people of sorts, but do you think that we do all carry around a label and how do we move beyond being known for something like wearing a label into a new identity? I think that's
1: all. That all comes down to a choice of how you want to introduce yourself, how you want to present yourself. I think today, I kind of, I don't know. It's hard to say that if everyone carries around labels because I don't think that I label myself so much anymore. No matter how I eat, no matter how I move, I am not a yogi. I am not a paleonite or a plant-based person or a this or that. I don't have any labels. It doesn't matter how I eat. I will not label myself. I think like you're saying with health coaches, like I am, my name is Maddie. I am a lifestyle coach with a focus on body image and disordered eating. Like that in itself is a label, but I'm not restricted to it. Right. Like I do not identify as anything anymore. Like my identity is not mixed up. Like if, if I were to tomorrow, wake up and decide that I want to be a relationship coach, like it doesn't determine my worth at all. And I think that's the place everyone wants to be. And I think that's what would blow most people's minds because they're so used to being a paleo person that if they were to wake up tomorrow and no longer be paleo, like who are they? It's That is who they are. And that's the dangerous place to be because you don't want to feel constrained by any word or any idea or perception others may have of you. The reason why you label yourself as this eater or that kind of movement person is so other people can perceive you a certain way. It's not really for yourself. Sometimes it is, but a lot of it comes down to fitting into a club, a community for other people, having immediate thoughts about you so that they know, okay, she's paleo. She doesn't eat this. She doesn't eat that. She moves her body like this. She eats like a caveman, blah, blah, blah. Like They already have all of these ideas about you. And for a lot of people, they like that. They like being able to control how other people see them. So it's okay to have a label as being a speaker, an author, a writer, a doctor, a teacher, that's cool. But is your identity rooted in that? Like if you weren't a teacher tomorrow, would you not know who you are?
0: That's where you don't want, you don't want to be flirting with that at all. You want to stay far away from that. Right. Kind of like a fine dangerous line, which like you Mm -hmm. said, I love how you said that you know, a lot of times identity can override our worth, or we're trying to find our worth within that. I think a key component, and I'm a nutritionist, so I talk a lot about food, but really, the other aspect is trying to get people to understand their passion, and really what they are, you know, like who they are, and what defines them, not food or not their image, but something more, you know, something deeper. And I think that can help a lot of people overcome addiction. Like, For you, did finding your worth in something other than yourself and your body image, did this help overcome your addiction? And how did you recognize that?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, my worth was my body. I was my body. I identified as my body. The minute I realized I am not my body, I am something greater. There is something greater to work for, to live for. Um, My body image concerns became so much smaller, just so much tinier when I realized, like, this world goes on without me, whether or not I look like a model or I don't, or I look like uh, anything. It doesn't matter how I look because my time on this planet is very brief and I have the choice to waste it or not. And I was realizing I was wasting all of my time trying to find my worth in my body when I inherently already had worth. I didn't have to work for it. So all that time I spent working for it, I could have just been using it using it to like help other people or write something amazing and share it with the world, create something, create powerful relationships, get a job. I love, or in my case, create a job. Like I could be using all my time and mental space for those things. Instead of trying to create worse through my body, the one place that you don't even, you don't create worse through your body at all. But in my mind, I thought, yeah, you can, but you can't. Um, So for me, Being able to realize that and start to focus on everything else in this world besides my body gave me so much more time, gave me so much more energy, and being a spiritual person, being a Christian, for me, I realized that I don't have to prove my worth because My worth is already there. My identity, I don't even have to create my own identity because my identity is in Christ and my worth is in Christ. So, whoa, huge weight lifted off my shoulders. I don't have to take on that responsibility. For me, it took me a while to realize that because I am a do-it-myself kind of person and it probably took me a year of recovery before I actually realized, like, okay, now I'm trying to make recovery a job for just me to prove my worth. And then I, it it just didn't work out that way. I could do as many self-help programs and read as many self-development books as I ever wanted to. But until I finally gave over that uh, responsibility to something way bigger than me, it was going to be a difficult road. But once I did that and I stopped trying to take on that challenge for myself things got a lot easier for me and everything just started flowing and going into its natural place. And it's not to say that I didn't have to work hard to remember a lot of different lessons that I've learned over the past few years. I definitely have. And I still practice them today, but I felt a weight lifted off my shoulders, a weight that I no longer had to, had to carry around day after day, trying to prove myself that I'm worthy. Cause I, I just am. Cause I'm here.
0: Right right? Putting your identity in something other than you is it's a freeing thing, but it's kind of difficult to do. So to back up in your story, when you eventually retired from being that fit girl, what caused that moment where you said enough is enough? Like what made you create this change or want to move on?
1: For me, that moment came when I just competed in my second show and I was reflecting on the past five months more than that. I was reflecting on the past two years of the ups and downs of the first competition of leaning out for that. And then afterwards putting on all that weight and then the frustration of seeing my body change, but then going into the bulking phase and gaining even more weight and then feeling like I wasn't hot and I wasn't worthy and my body wasn't enough. So then losing all that weight and signing up for another competition and just up and down, up and down. And every single day doing those morning tummy checks, just looking at my belly, seeing how, how does it look or turning around, looking at my butt and how does it look? And I was reflecting on all that after my second show, I had just competed and I realized that I wasn't going to place number one. Um, I wasn't going to place top five. Actually, I was going to place seven and I thought I was going to place number one. Like why do that? To me, in my mind, I was thinking, why do this if you're not going to be number one? Right. And, It hurts so bad for me to reflect on all the sacrifices I had made the past five months. And if I didn't place number one, they weren't worth it to me. It just wasn't worth it. I wanted to be number one, but I quickly realized in that moment, whoa, wait, I just placed seven out of like 25 people in my second show and it's not enough. And if I placed number one, would I believe them? that I was actually number one or would still Mm. say it's not enough. Mm -hmm. And when I went to nationals, the next step, do I really want to put my body through this all again in the next part and all this turmoil? And I, I could easily go the next 10 years doing fitness competitions because I'm good at shaming my body and I'm good at making my body my number one priority. But do I want that for my life anymore? Do I want to continue to spend time with myself and only myself, to have no period, to have terrible digestion, to rely on sleeping uh, pills like Advil PM, not like pills, but Advil PM to go to sleep at night? Do I wanna feel bloated all the time because my body can't digest things? Do I wanna snap and snip at my family members for 10 more years? Do I wanna keep doing this, like spending all this money so that I'm told I'm not enough? Do I wanna take that criticism? When I die, do I want everyone to talk about me around my grave saying she was really good at clean eating and working out? Or do I want more? Do I want relationships? Do I want to eat food I love? Do I want to finally be able to travel? Do I want To be able to just go outside in the middle of the day and not worry about when my next meal is and just go out and play. Do I wanna stop going to the gym every single day, twice a day? Do I wanna do yoga instead? Like, do I wanna be free, just free? And in that moment, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. And I knew it would take a lot of work to make that happen, to finally let go of this body I created for myself and watch myself gain weight and challenge my beliefs about, bodies because for so long, I just thought leanness is the only way to be. You have to be thin. You have to be lean. I never even knew there was anything outside of that. And I had to learn on my own. There's a world, a body positivity world, totally outside of this world I've been living in, this self-shaming restriction world. I found myself leading even to a lot of people. Cause I had a following then and I was mm-hmm. telling people, Oh, you can't eat that. You can't move your body like that. You got to do this dedication, willpower, discipline. You got to have it. You know, I just, it, from that moment, I realized this is not, this is not for me anymore. And, and it's going to take stripping myself of this label and that's going to be hard, but I can do it. I know I can do it.
0: Right. Did you, uh, obviously you had a lot of fear going through that, how did you move forward through that fear? I mean, you had a following. So, I mean, you had to have some fear that people were going to leave you or or, you know, kind of shame you for moving on in a different direction. Like, how did you put one foot in front of the other and make this choice and stick with it?
1: I think for me, the very first thing that stuck with me of I got to do this is I needed responsibility outside of myself. I just realized it was just me. I lived it alone. I had no boyfriend. I was focusing all on myself. I was using this single period of my life to give myself permission to work harder, to look a certain way. And I wanted more responsibility. So as weird as this sounds, totally like not body related. I got a dog Mm -hmm. and she just brought so much joy to my life and responsibility, taking her out, slowing down, going on walks, like being chill And I needed more of that in my life. I needed more of a reason to chill, chill the heck out and just relax and like play. And Nina did that for me a lot. And the next step that's way bigger and not necessary for everyone, but was necessary for me. I moved. I picked up and left most of my stuff outside of my apartments, sold the rest And moved to Colorado within forty-eight hours of thinking about it. I just was like, (laughs) one day, you know, I should get out of here. And forty-eight hours later, I left. I didn't tell anyone. I just like (sighs) a thief in the night, picked up and left. And it was so beautiful and so amazing. And it's not like I had a million super tight best friends there. So you know, if I had, I probably would have had a harder time leaving, and I would have said goodbye, but I didn't. (laughs) So. I, like I said, I was like in this world of just me, it was only me. And, and I had people I knew, but very shallow relationships where we just spent time talking about our imperfections and our bodies. Mm-hmm. And I needed to be away from that. Mm-hmm. So I moved. Um, and once I moved, that's when the real work began. That's when I started to distance myself from my social media presence. I stopped writing so much on that website that I had, that blog. I no longer identified with the name of that blog. So it felt weird. I used to be Moon Fitness on everything because my mm-hmm. last name's Moon, so it was just like MoonFitness.com, Moon Fitness Instagram, Moon Fitness right. everything, and and I didn't want to be known as Moon Fitness, like the fitness girl. I wanted to just be me, and I also <clears throat> wanted to take advantage <clears throat> of that move to the full advantage. So when I met people, I no longer introduced myself as Hey, I'm Maddie. I work out all the time. I am a fitness competitor. I'm a nutritionist. I'm a health coach. Like I dropped all of those. I was Mm -hmm. just Madeline. I'm new here. I don't know anybody like want to go get coffee. Right. (laughs) And that was challenging because I had this ego part of me saying, you got to tell them like, come on, you got to tell them that you're like a fitness star. I'm not. I wasn't a fitness star. But like my ego was like, you're the best at fitness. Huff up your chest. Let them know. Like ask them if they want to go for a workout. But I couldn't do that. I could not listen to that part of me. I had to continue to drop that label. And it was a choice I had to make every day. And I know I just keep going with these things. But after that, I introduced myself to some really amazing people who changed my journey for me. Uh, Matt Stone is one of those people. He wrote the book Diet Recovery Mm -hmm. and uh, E for Heat. And he helped me so much. And I took a month off from the gym and I just walked and I just like had – I prescribed myself like all these different things. I was just like intuitively I knew I needed
0: to distance myself from everything I was doing. So right. one thing at a time I tackled. Mm-hmm. I like how you said intuitively because I think inside all of us we kind of know when something's not right yeah. and when something's up. Yet yeah, it's so hard to listen to that because the ways of the world just want us to believe all of these lies. So obviously you started – a new you. you. You picked up and moved to kind of start something new. And through that, you started MadelineMoon.com, which is your newest site. I don't know how long after all after the move to Boulder was, but where did you decide I'm going to tell the world about this? Well, my website's Maddie Moon, just in oh, case. Oh, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry.
1: <laughs> That's okay. My bad. Um, Maddie Moon.com. No, no worries. I just don't want anyone to type that in. Yeah. Um, But for me, it, it started, oh man, it, I think I kept up with, oh, so immediately I went into a different domain name, which was the name of my podcast. And then I just started writing and doing my podcast probably about four months after I had made that move. So I progressed pretty quickly, but I started it because I was thinking, well, I want to interview people about, how they eat and how they move so I can get a better idea of how I should be eating and moving now that I'm trying this recovery thing. So I was still trying to make it a like chore almost. Like I was still trying to find a way to eat and move um, without just listening to only my body. And I started this website and if you go back to the oldest episodes of my podcast, you'll hear we talk about low carb and ketosis and the gym and working out hard that is not my podcast anymore. Those are probably the first, like, I don't know, t- 20 maybe episodes. And mm-hmm. and some of those inside that 20 are still more on the body positivity realm, but some of them aren't, it's just like a mix. Um, but I was identifying, w- identifying with mind, body musings, which is the name of my show. But soon after that, probably like five months later, I started to realize my niche is like body image. And I really like talking about body image. So then I soon changed it to maddiemoon.com, which is just me, no labels, just me and just my name. And it has flexibility to change it, move it around. I can do whatever I want with it. If I want to start blogging about traveling more or relationships, love money, I can do whatever I want. There's no restrictions, which for me was very freeing, but The podcast was really a way for me to document my journey to self-acceptance and to interview other people about self-acceptance. And it's crazy. I had no idea it would turn into a career for me. I had no idea I would turn into a leader in this field because I am now so confident in what I'm doing. And I'm the one teaching different tools and mechanisms and theories about body positivity. And I owe a lot of that to That period of my life where I went through that transition and interviewing people and just diving right into body positivity and listening to myself and finding out what I needed, not just asking permission from other people. Hey, is it cool if I take a month off from the gym? What do you think? No, screw that. I'm just going to do it. And I realized how much it helped me. And then I share it with people and then they liked it and then they caught on and then the following grew. And now it's where it is today, and it's just such an amazing journey that I've been on, and I'm so grateful for everything I've I've gone through to get here.
0: Right. It's like that free community where people can really just be themselves, and I think – that everyone's looking for that that place where they can just be them. And I think that's so awesome. So just to give us a few pointers for us to learn from you, because I feel like you're so wise, and you've been through it. How do you help people move beyond their fears? I feel like this is such a huge struggle. Everyone's just kind of scared to do something else to scared to take the next step. So how do you how do you encourage people to just do it?
1: It's very um independent for each person. It's very like specific. So, one thing that does help everyone is doing a big social media purge, right? Where you just get rid of all the accounts that are influencing you and and you'd be surprised how many accounts can sneak up on you and you before you know it you just have tons that aren't serving you. And I do this often. It's not like I did a social media purge once. And then my feed was all clean and happy and full of puppies and kittens. You know, one day, maybe I'm feeling insecure and I follow someone who's super lean and she's a fitness model. And then the next day I'm past it. The insecurity feelings move, but that person's still on my feet. And then I start seeing her stuff every day and it's keeping me in that place that I was a few days ago. And then before I know it, I've been following her for months and I'm just kind of feeling sluggish all the time. Like they make a big difference. So doing these purges often, where you go in and you unfollow anyone who makes you jealous or envious or feel less than, doesn't matter if it's the most beautiful soul ever and she's spiritual and loving and accepting. If she doesn't make you feel worthy, or if you just inherit, it's all you, maybe you just get jealous when you see her. She's not really doing anything in particular, but you just feel jealous. Don't worry about it, just unfollow. Like, because she's not serving you probably. She's just, it's not serving you right now. So, if you're following a food account, all these beautiful acai bowls and smoothies and macro bowls, doesn't matter if it's the most beautiful food ever, like, you unfollow that account if it's not serving you. If it's making you jealous of their food, you unfollow that account. So easy. So, that's one of the things I always have everyone start off with. Another thing, Get rid of the scale. Stop measuring your body fat percentages if that's something that you do. Take yourself out of diet camaraderie chit chat when your girlfriends or even guy friends are talking about the diet they're on or how much weight they've gained or need to lose. Like take yourself out of that convo. You can speak up. You can say what's going on in your life while you're focusing on more body positivity, but if it serves you best to just leave that conversation or not to hang around those people, do what you got to do to protect yourself, create an environment at the beginning stages of this journey. That's safer for you. You Mm want to be safe. Sometimes you will be uncomfortable because yes, there will be times where your parents may say something about your body or, um, you may read something in a magazine that triggers you. You cannot control everything in the outside world, but, protecting yourself to the best of your ability in the initial stages is key. Like be aware of your triggers, try to avoid them, grow stronger in your belief system about body image, about w- why you're worthy. Even if you have, if even you know, if you're 10 pounds more than you were two months ago, 10 pounds less, whatever it may be, your worthiness does not change. You're here on this earth for something huge. Focusing all your time on your body is a waste of time tons of different things you can, you can dive into and learn more about. And eventually you'll probably get to a point where you don't have to control your external factors as much. It's a beautiful spot to be because people will have conversations and you won't have to be on edge trying to control everything. And that's awesome. Like being in that place where that can go on and not affect you, but it may take a while. I still get affected here and there when I hear people talk about this stuff and I have to leave the room. I have family members that still talk about juice cleanses and dieting and I have to walk away or I'll say something and I want to keep the peace. Sometimes I can sit around that and it's totally fine. It doesn't affect me at all. And I'm just like, okay, I'll let them have their conversation. But being a light, being an example, that's the best thing that you could help for, that you can hope that you can be in other people's lives. But begin this process by knowing what triggers you and being careful about it. Only having people in your life that really deserve to be there are really serving you and release that shame you're holding. Talk to people about this. Have a coach, like open up with friends or family members if they- If you know that they will respond in a way that's helpful for you, open up to them about it. Release that shame. So I just threw like a million things at y'all, but hopefully that's helpful.
0: It's perfect because I feel like there's no perfect world like social media. And it's like the fantasy world sometimes as, you know, a business owner too. And, you know, their pressures to do social media, it's overwhelming sometimes. And I'm like, man, to make everything look picture perfect is near impossible when I have three little girls running around. And can I just show everyone the pile of dishes and the massive loads of laundry that I've yet to do? Mm-hmm. And, but it's, it's, it's like this, Sometimes people just crave that, but it's such a wrong, you know, it's envy, right? Like it's just envy. And I feel like that's such the rut of evil in so many of our lives, which just goes back to one thing that I love about you is you're not scared to go there to the deep, dark hidden places that no one really likes to talk about and to bring to light the issues that paralyze some of us. So Maddie, what can we find hope in to cling to as we're uncovering hard things and changing to be free of these traps? I think one of the
1: very most important things for people to remember, and, and many people have heard this before, is but you are your best friend. Like it's your job to take care of yourself, to watch out for yourself. You are the most unique you there will ever be and so special in this world. If you are not here and say, you know, you're Jane and you want to be more like Mary, then the world is going to be missing this so incredibly important person, Jane, in this world. There's never, ever, ever gonna be a person with your traits, your qualities, your relationships, your dreams, they'll never be an exact person like that again. So if you're not yourself, you're someone else, there's two of someone else, um, poor world, right? Like we need you, we need you. So step into who you are, step into your power, step into your dreams, step into your insecurities, step into your fears, your quote, flaws your imperfections, allow them to all exist. We all have them. They're everywhere. We will never get rid of them. Flaws aren't even flaws. They're just like things about us that society deems as less optimal, (laughs) but they're not flaws. Like they're just you. So being able to know and recognize that you are your best friend is a a very important part of the step. Um, and just cling to the fact that this too shall pass. Right? Like, I still do have moments of fear and anxiety and struggles and insecurities. Just all those things still come and go with me, but like, they're not nearly as harmful or damaging or long lasting as they were before. And it was interesting because when I was going down this journey, I would have what I would call relapses because I would be really good about not dieting for like a month, and then something would happen. I, some, something would happen, some event that I was out, not in my control, and I would eat nothing but raw foods for two days. But then I'd snap out of it and I'd go, that's not gonna solve anything. Like my body is my body, it's my permanent body forever, it's gonna stay, I might as well just eat how I want. And then I'd be like, wow, cool. Used to be two weeks or two months, and now it's two days. So I kept going on the journey. And then sometimes it would be one day of just wanting to eat a certain way, just like having to fight that. And and then the next day I'd be like, okay, a one day. And then now it's down to a few minutes where I'm just like a few minutes of ah stress, anxiety. I should just go work out and like – make myself feel better by feeling like I'm, I'm pushing my body. And then I'm like, okay, that's not the answer. I know that's not the answer. My body's my body. Like she's amazing. I love her. <laughs> like we have grown together and she's always protecting me and looking out for me. So I'm not going to do that. And it's just like very quick and know that that's, that's for you too, for everyone listening to this. Sure. The first period of this transitional Uh, journey is difficult. It's challenging. So many of us are going through it all together, though. You're not alone, but it does get way easier, like way easier. And your body's like, it's not like exercising is holding back a 30 pound weight gain. Exercising does Mm -hmm. very little for us really honestly it does it does good things sure it is good for us healthy eating is good for us of course absolutely but our biggest fear that we're holding on to is this massive weight gain that's just going to happen overnight that's not going to happen <sighs> the point of exercise is creating endorphins and having a active body and active lifestyle because that's just good for us to keep our joints lubricated and moving and you can do that by just walking in the park or doing yoga or something simple. You don't have to do this killer 50 minute CrossFit class in order to get those benefits. So, lo- those are some things you can hold on to, just knowing as like, it's not that your biggest nightmare is not gonna happen. And if it does, if like gaining weight's your biggest fear and it does happen, you're going to realize that all these other beautiful things happen with it. You get freedom. You get Saturday morning pancakes. You get a boyfriend or a husband or you finally can have kids because you get your period back or right. your relationship with your parents gets better and you're just like not stressed out anymore. And it's such a b- beautiful swap, a swap I mm-hmm. would never trade. I gained 15 pounds more than I was when I was a fitness competitor and I gained So many things, intangible things that I I can't even list for you. There's just the list is so long of beautiful things and the weight gain was so worth it and trade I would never, I would never take back. Right.
0: So that's kind of how you keep going is kind of gratitude, like being thankful and grateful and understanding everything that you've done, which is so awesome. So I kind of want to get into cellulite, though, because you talk about this on your blog and how it saved your life. And I think so many women think that's such a huge imperfection, and yet nearly everyone has cellulite. But what did that do for you? Like, what was your relationship with cellulite? If we can say that's a relationship.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. First off, cellulite being a flaw is a complete marketing scheme. Like, cellulite, (laughs) it's natural on every single woman on this planet Earth. And the only reason why we've started to think that it is not is because Photoshop. Right. Like, that's it. (laughs)
0: Like, we can edit you, it Photoshop. out. Right. <laughs> yeah, we can edit We
1: can all edit it out. We can edit it out just on our phones, on Instagram. But then there's magazines. There's movie stars. Like, no wonder we look at our own butts and we're like, what the heck is this? Right. This is gross. This is not normal. What's normal is to not have it. And it's the opposite. We all have cellulite. Um, when I was a fitness competitor, I still had lines under my butt. But, like, you couldn't really see them because – I had, was all tanned up whenever I was on the stage and the lighting just right. You really can't see any of those lines. But even all the competitors, when we were all getting our tans done, everyone had lines into their butt. And if they didn't, one, they have genetics that allow them to be that way. It's not good. It's not bad. It's nothing. It's just neutral. They just don't happen to have it. And it's totally fine. There's, It's not like they'll not have it in the future or it's not like they're just blessed or gifted. They just don't happen to have it. It's no right. big deal. Right. Um, and some the other people, the time of my life that I didn't really have cellulite, I was just working my body into the ground. Mm-hmm. There was a time when I didn't have any for my, my first show and I was severely underweight, didn't have my period, didn't have any relationships going on, no boyfriend, no sex drive, just unhappy, sad little me. And I didn't have cellulite, but like that trade off to me, even when I didn't have it, believing all that time. When I don't have cellulite, I'm just going to be the happiest person in the world. Everyone's going to love me. I'll love myself, blah, blah, blah. Finally happened. That was the last thing on my list I was thinking about. I was only thinking about how can I keep this body? I have to keep this body. If I lose this body, then I'm no longer worthy. What will people think about me? Oh my gosh. Like all these fears going on in my head. I was a prisoner to that body. I was a prisoner to my butt that was lacking cellulite. The minute I gave up all that junk. I was led to believe I started eating away. I wanted to eat my cellulite naturally just came back. And you know what? I could give two craps (laughs) because now I have so many amazing things going on in my life and no one's looking at my butt. First of all, I'm not on a stage in a tiny swimsuit competing anymore. I'm not being compared to other girls physically. Thank goodness. That's so damaging. But being able to allow my body to take its natural shape, a.k.a. allowing my body to to have some cellulite, saved me. It saved me in so many ways because now I'm happy. I feel worthy. Like, I'm using my body to help other people. My body is now a vehicle. It's a tool to coach other women, to speak, to write, to do all these cool things. And if I hadn't had allowed my body to do that, I don't know where I'd be right now. I would be cellulite less. Yeah, sure. Maybe I wouldn't have cellulite, but I'd also be depressed. I, maybe be, I might be a competitor at the national stage, but I wouldn't have a period. I wouldn't have anyone in my life um, to release my shame with because I blocked out everyone in my life. I wouldn't be sleeping well. I wouldn't be happy. That's really what it all comes down to. I wouldn't be happy. I'd be a very sad, upset person. And there is nobody that is worth that kind of trade off at all. And I just want every woman out there to know your cellulite is so natural, so normal. Um, it's part of you and it, just accept it because the sooner you accept it as part of you as fact and stop believing, well, I can accept it right now, but like down the line, I should probably get that cream I've been looking at because my friend got the cream and it worked really well for her. So I'll work on accepting it right now, but later I'll get the cream. Like, no, like accept it as it is right now as your permanent body, accept that cellulite as if it's here to stay forever. Could be. I've accepted mine to stay here forever. I'm just totally going to forget about the idea that I could ever leave because I know what it takes to make it leave and I don't want to partake in that anymore. And more than that, the industry, the media has made me angry. I'm angry that we're led to believe it's not normal and for that I'm rebelling. I will never take part in any kind of anti-cellulite marketing scheme to to try to take that away because i'm angry at what they've made us believe is normal
0: and not normal it's
1: not right and i don't want to to ever be a part
0: of that i think it's easy to see the other side but we forget the expense at which it takes to get there and all that we've we can give up and again it's just a gratitude thing right like choosing happiness choosing to see what we do have, and how amazing our bodies are, which they're pretty incredible if we really get to the root of it. So kind of to keep going with this, what is your mantra? Like, what do you live by?
1: Um, I live by the phrase, this is my favorite phrase, and for some people, it's like, what? But I love the quote, your experiences are enough. And I actually made that up. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't really have everything to do with body image, but more about helping other people. Because I, for so long, before I was a coach, I was so worried. Like, oh, I don't have this degree in psychology. And I didn't go to a school for eating disorders. And how can I help people? How can I share my message? And what? who am I, right? Why should I quit my job and do this full time? Like, that's gonna flop. But my experiences are enough. What I've been through is so enough. People work with me because their therapists, their psychiatrists have not been through exactly what they've been through. And they want someone that has empathy and can relate. So for anyone out there, when you struggle with alcoholism or a terrible relationship or a bad relationship with your, with your parents or financial struggles or anything you're dealing with and you want to open up and you want to share about it, but you're scared of what other people think about you or do you, are you equipped for, Uh, what they're going to ask you, your experiences are enough. Go back to your experiences because I think empathy is just so what's needed in this world. People want to talk to people that can relate. And even if they can't relate, you sharing your struggles is powerful because it's going to cause a chain effect and other people are going to share their struggles. So if you're someone who's going through disordered eating, sharing your struggles on a blog or on a podcast or with a friend Um, in your journal, like release that shame by sharing. It's such a beautiful tool and who knows you may help someone else on their journey come to healing
0: and recovery faster than they would have if you weren't in their lives kind of goes back to that community and that relationship which is such a vital component and one I think a lot of us just take so lightly and I think sometimes it's hard because we do want to control and it's hard to be confronted so this is kind of a little personal but back when you were fitness Maddie did you have anyone in your life that was saying like this is just not healthy or was was it true, like, the way of the world is just congratulating you and pushing you and basically giving you the energy to keep going? But did you have anyone that was there saying, "Ah, oh, you're more than this? Mm, not really. <laughs> right.
1: I mean, when I think about it, it was a lot of people that were just like, you are so fit. I can't believe you're doing this. And I do not blame anyone. I mean, at the time, that support was just like yay like i have such supportive people and they no one wanted to ruffle my feathers because i was very determined and defensive if anything was ever said like even remotely discouraging to me i would throw a tantrum because mm-hmm. i was so like attached to this identity and this label i think towards the end of my second show my mom was kind of on the fence about all of it. Like she, up until then, she was very supportive because I was determined it was what I was going to do. Um, at the time I had my moon fitness stuff going on. She wanted to support me to be a coach cause she knew I wanted to work for myself. And I was, I was a diet coach at the time, like teaching people how to lose weight and stuff. But, but, uh, you know, towards the end, I think, after all the tears, like she saw the immediately after my second fitness show, when I came off the stage, I started bawling and she was like, took me into this room and just said like, Hey, you did amazing. Look at me. You did so good. You came out here, you did what you wanted to do. Why are you crying? You're great. Like you did awesome. It's okay. And then she just saw me stay upset throughout that day and then go back and forth, just like, can't believe I did this. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. And she was just like, what do you mean? Like, why, why do you feel that way? It doesn't make any sense. I think she didn't realize that I had been going through all this stuff. No one really knew I was going through this stuff since I was in middle school. Like Mm -hmm. it's been going on forever. I think I had a lot of signs. I think, I think it would have been easier to see if like they knew what signs to look for, right? And it, I think my my obsession with weight loss was very apparent to everyone. It was very apparent, but it took that day specifically for her to just say, "If you do another one of these, I'm not coming. I'm not going to support it. It's not good for you. Your hair is going to fall out. I've I've read things about what happens to people who get too caught up in this, in this world, and I just can't support it." And that was probably the closest I got to someone really being like what are you doing to yourself? Besides that, it was nothing but you're doing great. Look at those glutes. You know, look at that swimsuit. My coaches were very <clears throat> harsh on me, very discouraging, just so tough and and uh demeaning, really. Just I had one coach that was n- nicer and very supportive and and empathetic, but the other ones were very harsh and I thrived on that. I was just like, yeah yeah, tell me what else I need to work on. Yeah. Tell me why I'm not enough. I love it. Keep it coming. Right. Like, it was just fuel for me and my disturbed mental patterns. It was fuel. And that's how a lot of coaches are. They're just blunt. You know what? Your butt isn't round enough. You got to work harder. You got to do three times as much work as you do on your legs. So pick up the pace. And then competitors are just like, yeah, you're right. I got to work on it harder. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not good. It's not healthy. And We all want permission to be told to stop doing what we're doing and we're not given it. We're not given it. We don't give it to ourselves. And we so often lack people in our lives that can see these things because we're not taught how to see them. And that is no one's fault. And that's kind of why I'm here is just Mm -hmm. so that people can see these warning signs and, and know, yeah, you can, you, you can tell your loved ones what they're doing is not healthy in a loving way. Mm-hmm. Having a good conversation and and letting them open up to you, but maybe they're not ready. Also, like even if my mom from the beginning said to me, "This is bad. You can't do it. Don't do this," I would have revolted and been angry and upset. I was not ready to hear that. So, no one really had the place in my life to do that because I, I hadn't hit my own version of rock bottom yet, and I had to get there in order to come to terms with the fact that I needed to change on my own. No one could tell me
0: right. For sure, it's a, for most people, it's got to be a personal choice for it to actually work in the end. But I think there's something powerful to being in relationships and having like-minded people around you who can really support you and encourage you, especially if you want to change. And sometimes that means getting out of hard relationships, which is it's tough. So moving on, if you could give us one piece of advice on health or better said, one thing you think we should all be doing to live a healthier, happier, more vibrant life what would that be?
1: I think going back to what I said earlier is purging yourself from those accounts. I think in just in your life in general, if you want to live a half, happier, healthier, more body positive life, stop the comparisons. And that's not as easy to do as I, as it is to say. It's not like you're mm-hmm. walking down the street and you see someone. You're like, oh, I can't compare myself done. Like you're still going to do it at times. It's inevitable, but be self-aware of those moments. Be self-aware where you think of those thoughts and, and let them pass through you. Don't necessarily fight them and say, no, I can never feel that way. Let them pass through you and observe them. Say, oh, wow, I'm judging my food to her food. I'm judging my body to her body. Why am I doing that? Why do I think her life is better than mine? What's really going on here? And ask yourself those questions. So it, it definitely helps to, to, reduce the amount of times you can do that in a day by like staying off of your computer as often as you can right. or not following a whole bunch of triggering things, but also just know everyone's on their own journey. Everyone has their own struggles. Look at me. I had this super, uh, thin body competing, all these followers, but I was the unhappiest I've ever been. And my whole job today is talking about those days and how bad they were and how unhealthy they were and how much was lacking for my life. So you cannot know, how anyone's life is truly from a picture of them or even a podcast of them talking like you really don't know what's going on in people's lives you have no idea so focus on your own life and and chase after something bigger and be invested in your own happiness and your worthiness because you are worthy right now and you deserve happiness right now regardless of your
0: size or your shape yeah love it so can you tell us where you can find more about you
1: yeah, so my website, like I said earlier, is Moon.com and that's M-A-D-D-Y moon, like M-O-O-N.com. Um, and you can also find my podcast on there, my blogs, my videos, my YouTube channel. And if you have the podcast app on your phone, you can just go directly download that. It's called Mind Body Musings. And over there, we talk about all things body positivity, acceptance, food fears, tackling different um, disordered eating patterns, working through things like really real stuff, not just woo woo stuff, but real practical things that you can take away. And yeah, you can follow me in those places. I'm also on Facebook at Maddie Moon.
0: So I know you just closed a program called scripture, food and healing, but can you just tell us a little bit more? And I think there's a place on your website where people can sign up if they're interested to learn about the next opening for that course.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Scripture Food and Healing is my newest baby, and I'm so excited for it because I realized there is this huge gap in the body positivity world for Christians and for believers of uh, Christ. So I spent months and months going through the Bible and finding all the different passages and scriptures that relate to body image disordered eating, perfectionism, anxiety, comparison, all those struggles that we face and created this six-week program that dives into all those different passages one day at a time and relates them to modern day struggles. So I can take a passage that's biblical, old, it's like just beautiful, but translate it into today's terms with whatever you're struggling with, obsession with your body and having idols and having your fitness or body fat percentage, be your idol, and how to let go of those things. Tons of exercises and tools and assignments, journaling prompts, uh, Bible study calls from leaders around the world, There are six of those, and I also include accountability partners so you can go through the course with another person that's doing the the program, which has been one of the best features, I think, of this course so far. So I just wrapped um, up the, well, we're just beginning, but I closed the doors to it. So that'll be open again another time this year. I'm not quite sure yet, but you can find that on my website under the coaching tab, and you can also go directly to scripturefoodandhealing.com to read all about it and sign up for my email list that you're you're on there for the next time that I promote the course and you'll be notified um, one of the first people to be notified so yeah
0: awesome well I think a common theme throughout this whole podcast and interview with you is just relationships and finding a community that's supportive and where you can really be yourself so I really appreciate you being here and uh, yeah I can't wait to learn more about you and hear more of your story and your movement yeah thank you so much for having me it's been awesome yeah. Wow, that was such an insightful episode. I am incredibly thankful for people like Maddie who have declared it their passion and mission to bring awareness to the issues of body shaming and work to provide education, support, and motivation that brings unlimited value to our lives. Remember, you are not defined by a number or how your body looks, but you have a gift and a purpose. And just think how you could shape the world if you would step outside the fear and become unstoppable. It's so powerful. As Maddie mentioned, if you'd like to learn more about what she does and how she works to bring to the surface the confidence you contain, check out her website at maddiemoon.com. She has multiple ebooks, tons of free resources, and a few courses you will want to check out, not to mention her podcast, Mind Body Musing. And just to give you a few key takeaways from this episode that I think we should challenge one another to is, one, know your temptations, your weakness. When you begin to stumble, write them down, understand, and be aware of them I know for me, it's social media, it's Instagram and Facebook and the perfect lives that people seem to be living with their perfect bodies and their perfect meals and everything in between. And I know oftentimes I personally become envious of this and it just leads to destruction. There's nothing positive from that. So I challenge you to take the purge too. Get rid of the unnecessary evils in your own life. What things make you envious? Do you need to get rid of Facebook on your phone or unfollow accounts on Instagram? Remember, people have good intentions, but it's just how we take it. They could be very nice people, maybe even some of your friends, but if it's bringing you down and it's causing negativity in your life, just get rid of it for a while. It's not worth it. The game of comparison is not a fun one to play, and it definitely is a losing battle. So stop the madness by ending bad relationships. From that, choose to immerse yourself into a group of like-minded individuals, a community, a tribe, and build relationships that are healthy. People who know who you really are, regardless of your body status, and push you to be your best self. You have purpose. You have meaning. You have worth. And don't ever forget that. This week, let's commit to take the Facebook and Instagram purge and choose to immerse ourselves into positive, healthy relationships. So I want to hear from you. What stood out in this episode? What challenged you? And how are you going to use this to take one step into living your purpose and free you from the chains of body image? What are you going to do? If you want more accountability, a weekly meal plan that is family-friendly, delicious, and of course healthy, as well as additional motivation, encouragement, and tips to provide you more clarity and excitement in this health journey, don't forget to log on to simplerootswellness.com and sign up for my weekly meal plans delivered to your inbox every week. And finally, as always, you would make my day if you would take a minute out of yours to rate and review the show. This will make the podcast visible and findable by new people sharing in the knowledge, helping them to cut out the noise and the chaos that this world of health creates and achieve simplicity. I love hearing about what you like or would like to see on the show, and reviews help to do just that. It helps me to understand what you're looking for and shape the show to become what you need. To rate and review the podcast, just visit simplerootswellness.com slash iTunes or simplerootswellness.com slash Stitcher. Again, I'm forever grateful of honest reviews like the one from Coach Sweet, who left a five-star rating and said, you are strumming my heart with your words. Thank you so very much for sharing your knowledge and love and reminding us that even rock stars like you struggle. XOXO. I love this review because... I just want to be honest and open and be that open book where people can understand that we're all human. We all have struggles. We all have things we're working on, but ultimately living your passion and honoring and respecting your body is where we're going to win in this game. So I'd like to hear from you as well. What have you liked? What would you like to see different? If you leave an honest review, I'll be giving away a handful of free swag bags to those who have helped get me to 175 reviews by the end of May. Can We Do It? That's just under 100 reviews to go. Let's try to crush that number by the end of May and I'll be sending some swag bags to a few lucky people who've listened to the show. But before we go, I want to challenge you to stop and take five minutes and write down everything you love about you. From your smile to your compassionate spirit or even the ability to do things that you need to get done. Just take time to respect and honor you this community at Simple Roads is a healthy one, where you are free to be you no matter your appearance. Together, we can make a community that helps rise one another up. Remember this week that you are enough.